You're Inside Berkeley, the podcast with a backstage pass to Berkeley College of Music. In this episode, a conversation with faculty member Steve Wilkes. He talks about his quest to chart the sounds of Cape Cod and how this process has changed the way he listens to the world. Leslie Mahoney reports. Berkeley percussion professor Steve Wilkes has a keen ear, not an unusual trait for a musician. But these days, he's tuning into sounds not likely to be heard around campus. From the call of the great horned owl to the whoosh of wind turbines, Wilkes is recording the Cape soundtrack as part of his Hear Cape Cod project. The result will be an oral map that will serve as an audio time capsule of the 70-mile-long peninsula. I accompanied Wilkes this past August on a field visit to Salt Pond in East Ham. Here, he captured more pieces of the Cape soundscape as crickets and the American goldfinch auditioned for starring roles. We're at the Salt Pond Visitor Center um, for the Cape Cod National Seashore. That's in East Ham, Massachusetts. Um, One of the reasons we discussed meeting here today was this week is the 50th anniversary of the Cape Cod National Seashore becoming protected lands here on the Cape. And then, as I also told you just personally, I think this is just one of the most beautiful spots on the Cape. I particularly love Salt Pond and the Nauset Marsh beyond. And um, I guess we're here in some way to commemorate the fact that we have something like a national seashore. And then, as I told you, I was also hoping we might get a little bit of a goldfinch call where we were out there on the trails, which we did. We got a tiny bit, not as much as I was hoping for. What else did we hear? We heard some crickets, right? <laughs> yeah, we heard some crickets. Um, we particularly heard one um, prominent male cricket um, out there. Um, we went to an overlook spot and were first kind of drawn in by a tapestry of crickets around us and then heard um, two people having a conversation in a passing canoe. And then that was followed by some unexpected goldfinch chatter up in the trees. Uh, One of the things that I really enjoyed about this project is when I stopped somewhere and suddenly this unexpected linear sequence of sonic events unfolds and we got a little bit of that at that overlook spot on the the Nauset Marsh Trail. This started about 10 years ago for you. Can you tell me about the genesis of this project? Um, My wife and I started vacationing down in Truro on the Outer Cape in 2001. And um, that became an annual vacation. And so this is actually our 11th year that we've been coming down here. And um, Leslie, when we we first started coming down, we had this like $100 Sony Discman and a little tiny Sony stereo mic that we would bring with us. And just for kicks, while we were on vacation, we would go around and record things. Like right now, we can hear this cricket in the background. If we heard a chorus of crickets that we thought was cool, we'd run outside and we'd record it. But um, mini discs are not the highest fidelity. And in terms of working with software programs, they're not the easiest in terms of transferring files to the computer. So as the years went on, I started longing for something that was higher fidelity, more professional quality, and, and would interface better with a computer. And basically what happened is this fun little hobby, this fun little event for kicks on vacation started growing into something more serious and here we are in 2011 and I'm actually being supported by a fellowship to record the ambience of Cape Cod. Can you chart that a bit for me? I know you started in search of an owl. <laughs> exactly. The, the basic idea of the project is 
we're trying to make an audio time capsule of Cape Cod in 2011. And in doing that, starting early in, in the year, I was trying to look for things that would sonically mark the passing of a year. And so I started doing some research into the bird nesting season on the Cape. As we, we heard a little bit today, and you can hear a lot in May and June, uh, the Cape is a very popular nesting spot for birds of all species. And what I discovered was that the nesting season actually starts in January with the great horned owl. They are the first to lay their eggs and raise their brood. And it culminates in August with the American goldfinch, which is the last bird to nest and, and raise their brood. So those were markers that we were aiming for all, all along. We're definitely going to be recording until the end of the year, but we knew we had to capture the Cape at its most listenable during the nesting season. So, in fact, one of our very first recordings in January was a pair of great horned owls calling back and forth. That was over at the Wellfleet Wildlife Sanctuary, not too far from here. And then, as I told you uh, yesterday in the same spot, we captured uh, a male American goldfinch singing and calling and then ultimately uh, leaving his tree and flying, doing his potato chip call, which you, you were going to remember forever now. That's right, I will. So now in creating this oral map of the Cape, I mean, is it almost like you're a cartographer of sound? I mean, what, it, what does this end up, what will it, what is the <laughs> goal for this to serve ultimately? Oh my God, I, a cartographer <laughs> of sound. I, I love that. Uh, I, I hope that's what I find out I am. Um, first of all, uh, in 2011, I'm not the only person doing something like this. Um, if you, if anybody is really ambitious, you can use um, Google Maps application programming interface and kind of set up your own website mm -hmm. to which you can upload any information you want. Text, photos, video, audio recordings, and, mm -hmm. and audio recordings is what I'm doing. But I, I guess I would, I would put it like this. This is an attempt to map out the Cape and sound for one year. And in so doing, maybe we'll be lucky enough to sort of establish a baseline of what the Cape was all about sonically, what bird species were here, what human activity was like, and should the Cape undergo any drastic changes in years to come, from coastal erosion to hurricanes to, you know, the unknowable impact of, of Cape wind, we'll be able to go back and measure it by what we're recording this year. What have been some of the highlights? Hmm. Uh, the great horned owls were amazing. Um, that was that was incredible just because when the project started, I was like, how in the world am I going to record great horned owls? And I think I even mentioned this, you know, uh, when I met you back in March. I, I was panicking, like, what do I do? Do I just drive down to the Cape and find some woods and set up a microphone and hope for the best? But um, I made a great connection with the science coordinator, Mark Faherty, at the um, Wellfleet Mass Audubon Wildlife Sanctuary. He tipped me off on kind of key places where I might be able to capture the, the call of a great horned owl. And the day in January where we captured a male and female calling back and forth was, was just incredible, and we got a great recording that's now on the map. That was kind of an affirmation that we were on the right track and that this could work, this whole project could, could go somewhere and succeed. Since then, certainly um, having the approval of the town of Falmouth to record their wind turbines 
which are sited on their wastewater treatment plant. That has been a highlight. Uh, I describe it as one part distant jet engine, one part alien ear candy. Uh, yesterday I captured the American Goldfinch, which we're hearing a little bit from now in the background as we're talking, doing his characteristic potato chip call. As I told you, sadly, that's unfortunately a sign that summer is coming to an end when you're hearing that prominently. Um, here's another thing that's just kind of a quirky favorite. Um, a few people wanted to see if I could record the kitchen of a clam bar down here in the Cape. And about two miles down the road is, yeah, Arnold's clam, uh, lobster and clam bar. And I actually got their approval to come in during the dinner rush hour and be a fly on the wall, if you will, in the kitchen. And the evening I did it, I was there between 5 and 6 p.m. And they set me up in their mop tub, which it turned out was just the perfect size to set up a microphone with a tripod. I set it up and then... I kneeled down, squatted down, and leaned up against a wall and just recorded the near franticness that was going on in the kitchen while there's a line of 60 people outside making their orders. That was really, really cool. And I also want to say one thing about Ar Arnold's. I, I use the word frantic, but frantic as in really busy it was never chaotic. It was a really well-organized kitchen. So, you know, clam bars uh, aren't all just kind of these ramshackle organizations they really have their their stuff together down there that I was bet, cool i bet your mouth was watering my <laughs> ma oh my god the meals that i saw being prepared right in front of me was was unbelievable it was, yeah it was great that was a great experience so you're you're not only recording nature and sound how it exists in nature but also the sounds that humans create did you know that when you set out <laughs> Certainly when I first had this idea, I was leaning much more towards the natural and organic mm -hmm. sounds. No question about it. But when we got into it, one of the things that we had to accept was mankind is everywhere on Cape Cod. And the sounds that are created by man from the human voice to the 18-wheelers downshifting on Route 6, they're part of the sonic fabric of the Cape. So there was a little bit of a perspective shift early on, realizing that we'd have to embrace all of it if we really were going to establish a baseline of what the Cape sounds like now. So yeah, it's it's everything from the Great Horned Owl to motorcycles on Route 6. We're trying to get everything. How has this project changed the way you listen to the world? I mean, just seeing you out on the trail, you know, your, your head snaps at the sound of something. Has that been a shift? for you or as a musician have your ears always been acutely in tune to the sounds around you um leslie there's no question there's been a shift as part of this project uh i have come to the conclusion probably because of this project that we are completely surrounded by sonic code mm -hmm. all the time and we probably filter out about 90 percent of it mm -hmm. because we're busy we have our jobs our lives our goals we're always trying to get from point A to point B, and we're just unaware of this vast sonic language that's going on around us. I mean, a very obvious example is, you know, the sonic code that's embedded in bird calls and bird song. But I, through this project, I've learned about the intricacies of train whistles and how there are many people deeply into train whistles. By the way, there's the goldfinch again going by. There are many people deeply into train whistles, and train whistles are tuned to certain specific chords. And if you're out on the road 
and you hear this, a train whistle. Long, long, short, long. What that means is a train is nearby and it's going to cross a road. So when you hear that sound, you should make sure you're not near a railroad crossing. And that's an example, another example, a man-made example of the sonic code that's going on around us all the time that we filter out and don't pay any attention to. And um, it's, I mean, you asked, has there been a shift? Yeah, man, not only has there been a shift, I'm thinking, I want to write a book about this because it's, it's a fabulous subject, especially for a musician. Now, that brings me to wondering how this project intersects with your work at Berkeley and your teachings as a musician, as a percussionist. Do you see there being a connection? Uh, certainly, okay. Here's the, here's the most you know basic example. When I get back to Berkeley for the fall semester and my contemporary electronic percussion students find out I've been recording all these sounds on the Cape, every one of them is going to be going, hey man, can I get some of that to cut up and make samples with and play from my electronic percussion controller? That's going to be happening like crazy, and I will probably indulge them a little bit. But there's been this deeper thing, too, and I have no idea where this is going to lead me personally, but like I'm at the point now where I'm kind of identifying the quality of music I listen to, meaning is it good or bad, by how much it accepts and embraces ambient sound around it. Sometimes I'm I'm finding I'm listening uh, to music at home at night, and I'm getting a little bit pissed off because it's filling up the frequency range too much and and I can't hear the chimney swift outside my window at sunset flying around and making this skittery scattery sound that it makes and I'm finding more and more the music I want to listen to is music that also allows this to come in too And, and I'm thinking I'd like to create some music like that. Steve Wilkes expects these recordings will be showing up in many of his classes in 2012. For now, he's still in the hunting and gathering stage and creating music based on the field recordings. You're listening to Wilkes' piece, Chimes Mix, based on two location recordings in Brewster, the Herring Run at Stony Brook Mill and Wind Chimes at Lemon Tree Village. Thanks for listening to Inside Berkeley. This episode was produced by Leslie Mahoney and edited by Berkeley student Leandra McNair. You can learn about Steve Wilkes and other faculty members at berkeley.edu slash faculty. For more about Here Cape Cod, visit herecapecod.org.